Praise God. 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, verse 21, the Apostle Paul says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And then go into 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 16, Paul had this to say, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now God bless you. you may be seated. Take another look at verse 16. We want to read it through again. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Now, basically what he's saying is, uh, to preach the gospel is really nothing to brag about because I'm only doing what is reasonable or what is required of me. So why come and pat me on the back for doing something that I'm supposed to be doing anyway? It's necessary that the gospel be preached. Now, in a recent, I just heard this story, and it, uh, it was a, a story that... It, that really moved me. One of our pastors told this story. He said, we had a crusade in our city. And there was a lady, a young lady, who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. We took them and baptized her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this girl was a Catholic girl. And she went straight home to her father, who was a devout Catholic. And she went in and she said, Dad, guess what happened to me tonight? And her dad said, what? She said, I was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And Dad, if you are not baptized in Jesus' name and you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to hell. Now that's the way she put it. And her dad became very irate and upset, understandably. Now, you can understand that. So, he asked her to just give him an explanation. And so, he began to explain. She began to explain what had happened and went into a few scriptures and such. Then... The pastor received a call from this irate dad and said, I want to talk with you right now. So <laughs> the pastor goes over, and so the father looks at this pastor and said, Do you believe that you have to be baptized in Jesus' name to be saved? Well, he said, yes, I do. Do you believe that you have to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost to be saved? And if you don't, you will go to hell. Well, that's not the way we like to put it, you know. Especially to, to someone who, you know, it. <laughs> We like to win people to ourselves before we win them to our God. 
It's not that anybody wants to compromise, but on the other hand, some people are looking for some controversy. They're looking for a reason to disagree with you. This pastor was put on the spot, and he didn't know what to say. He said, uh, well, yes, sir, uh, that's what we believe. The man pulled up his chair a little closer and said, now, do you understand what you are saying? The pastor said, yes, sir, I do. He said, then do you understand that you owe it to everybody in this city to tell them that? He said, now if that's what you believe, nobody in this city should ever die without you telling them. Do you understand what you are saying when you put it that way? The pastor said, I guess that startled me as much as anything has ever startled me. The irate father was not irate anymore. He was very sober. And he put forth the greatest challenge of my entire ministry. Do you understand? And do you know that when we preach the necessity of the new birth, and we do, and we have some visitors here, I want to tell you, we believe that you must be born again. And you might say, well, Pastor, why would you put it that way? Because Jesus is the author of Christianity. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the captain of our salvation. Without Jesus, nobody can be saved. And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, if we're going to heaven... And Jesus is the door by which we get there. I suppose he'll have something to say about whether we go or not. And he laid all the ground rules down. Now I don't want to come to anybody tonight in a negative way. To say you've got to be saved is quite negative. The truth of the matter is it's your privilege to be saved. To say that I've got to be baptized in Jesus' name is a negative way of putting it. Really, and truthfully, it's an honor to associate yourself with the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in baptism. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's none other name. Now, our commission is to preach the gospel. And if you will read the heartbeat of the men of the New Testament, I don't care what translation of the Bible you have with you tonight, you'll find one thing. There was a vein of soberness that ran through the heartbeat of all the apostles that you had to be born again. 
and that the gospel should be preached to every creature. Now when you saw the Christmas for Christ film strip tonight, you actually saw preachers who believe that. And you heard living testimonies and saw the life change in many of them. As to how God brought them out of alcohol and drugs and all manner of vices and such. And you know, I got to tell you, I, I have a real burden for us to reach our city. And I'm not, I'm not for sure how to do it. Now you may say, well, Brother Grant, I know by preaching it will be done. Home Bible studies, and there are many home Bible studies that have been taught here in this city. And the truth of the matter is, we're just kind of a little handful of people here. Now it really ought not be that way, but it is that way. And I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on you because I am just as responsible for the productivity of this church, more so probably than anybody here. In fact, I know I am. And I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad over the results. But you know, I really believe that we need to really catch a vision of what the Lord was seeking to accomplish. When Jesus came, he came not to condemn. You know, somebody asked me the question about the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. They said, now, in the Old Testament, there was capital punishment. Capital punishment seems to be the only thing that really works in our present day. Does the New Testament frown on capital punishment, or does it endorse it? Well, separate and apart from the issue of capital punishment, please understand, when Jesus came, first place, Jesus never took the law in his hands, and anybody caught in the act of adultery was to be taken to the proper authorities for judgment to be pronounced upon them. And Jesus gets no glory out of anybody dying because of sin. And for this reason, he would not condemn the woman. But those who were accusing, Jesus began, he knelt down and began to write in the sand. And people began to depart. And there were only left his apostles. And he said, now, he that is without sin, you cast the first stone. Nobody would do it. The reason why is because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, I think that, that we need to understand that, 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 that the gospel is really the good news and people want it and people deserve to hear it. They absolutely deserve to hear it. Our commission is to preach the gospel. Now, when we say preach the gospel, we're not talking about just a pulpit ministry. But preaching the gospel is explaining, expounding, telling, witnessing the word of the Lord to everybody that we see. I was in a a local eating place today, not far from here. And the person that, that, uh, yesterday it was, the person that I was with said there's a Lutheran pastor over there. I was here and then my neighbor who lives down the street from me, was in a couple of uh, booths up from us, and he was sitting with a lady, and I was listening. He was across the table to what he was saying. 
He was talking as loud or louder than anybody in the place. And he was talking to this woman about the absolute necessity of, of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, he was really preaching. He was really talking to her. You know, you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died for your sins. Well, I do not adhere to the particular message that he was preaching because if you'd mentioned the Holy Ghost, he'd probably say, well, no, you don't need to receive the Holy Ghost. But I will say this, he does understand the commission. Now, I do understand uh, something about the commission. Equal as important as preaching the commission is telling them the right thing because you were commissioned to preach a certain thing. See, it was more than just a commission to preach. It was a commission to preach a certain thing. In Mark, the 16th chapter, and I want you to turn in your Bible and just take a look at this. And we, we have dealt with this several times recently on Thursday night. I'm not going to hold you very long here. But I, I feel that we just need to, to square our shoulders and look at the task that's before us. Mark the 16th chapter, verse 15. He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to a few creatures. No. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to many creatures. No, it says every creature, every person needs to hear why. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Now this is Jesus speaking. But he that believeth not shall be damned. Now if I understand what this scripture is saying, to be saved you've got to do something. What do you have to do? You've got to believe, you've got to be baptized. But to be damned or to be lost... You don't have to do anything. He that believeth not. That is, you just fail to believe. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They take, shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God and they went forth who the apostles and preached everywhere the Lord working with them now the Lord went into heaven but he was with them here now we know when they went forth and preached the gospel that was actually after the day of Pentecost that's when they went forth the Lord says I am with them, but I shall be in them. He departed in the heavens, but he said, Lo, I am with them always, even to the end of the world. He came back in a spiritual form. The Holy Ghost that was poured out is the spirit of the Holy Departed One. Jesus Christ was the Holy Departed One. He came back in a spiritual form and filled all the house where they were sitting on the day of Pentecost and there appeared to them clothing tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all filled with Jesus Christ. 
or the Holy Ghost. As a, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Now the Lord worked with them doing what? Confirming the word. Let's say it together. Confirming the word. Let's say it together. Confirming the word. Now what were they doing? They were preaching everywhere. The Lord then worked with them, confirming the word, with signs following. With signs following. Let's say that together. With signs following. They went everywhere, preached the word of the Lord with the Lord. He then confirmed the word with signs following. Now, it only stands to reason, if the, you know, if you don't preach anything, there's nothing to be confirmed. So consequently, there's no signs to follow. So then what happens? People get nothing. So you can be saved and, and, and basically be of little value to, to the Lord as far as, as one in the world's concerned. Well, I do believe in the silent witness, a man living a holy life. I will also say this, I think it's impossible to just live the life the Lord wants you to live with a closed mouth. Because I think telling is a very, very important part. We communicate with language, with talking. 1 Timothy 4, 16. Let's just take a look at that scripture. Take heed unto thyselves and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now notice what he said. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. How do you continue in the doctrine? Well, now he goes on to explain. He said, now, if you do these things, he said, you will save yourself and to those that hear thee. Now, it appears that Paul was just assuming that anybody that takes heed to the doctrine, believes the doctrine, is going to talk about it. Because in this scripture, he doesn't say, now go out and preach whatever you hear. He just assumes, or preach whatever you believe, he just assumes that a person will do that. Now, because if you really believe the gospel and you really believe that it takes the gospel to be saved and you believe that Jesus Christ died not in vain on Calvary and you believe that your commission is the same as his commission, then you're going to do what he did. For as the Father hath sent me, even so send I you. Let me just challenge you here. When's the last time you set someone down and talked to them about what they needed to be saved? I mean, you really witness to somebody, some neighbor, some friend, or somebody that you met, and said, now, you know, you really do need to take a careful look in the Bible. Now, <clears throat> you see the commission in Matthew, and we'll turn back there. Now, the commission in Matthew is the same recording, Matthew 28, as the, the Luke recording. 
Verse 16, And the eleven disciples went away into Galilee. If, if you notice in, in Mark 16, this is Luke, um, Matthew 28, 16. In Mark 16, the Bible says he was with the eleven. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when he saw them, or when they saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go ye therefore and do what? Teach all nations. Now the word teach here means disciple all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now in the book of Luke, in Luke 24, it says that baptism should be administered in His name. In Mark, it doesn't say what name. In the book of Acts, they baptize exclusively in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you were to take this particular scripture, and if you were to take a portion of this and diagram the sentence, you will find that the subject here is baptizing how? In the name All the Father is a prepositional phrase that modifies name. All the Son modifies the same name. And all the Holy Ghost modifies the same name. Jesus was speaking that they should be baptized in the name, singular, of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Realizing that these people understood who Jesus was. That He is the everlasting Father. He is the mighty God. He is the Prince of Peace. And His name is Jesus. This is not a baptismal formula. It was never intended to be. In fact, it was not until 325 A.D., the Council of Nicaea, that the traditional church fathers decided that it should be changed and that this should be the formula of baptism. You see, if you put a man down, though, and said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, now the Son, the Holy Ghost, and you lift him up out of the water, and you don't call the name of the Father, you don't call the name of the Son, you don't call the name of the Holy Ghost, you haven't baptized him in anybody's name. You may have said you did, but you didn't. In Acts twenty-two sixteen, when Paul gave an account of his baptism, he said, Ananias said, Now, Paul, arise. Why tarriest thou? Arise. In other words, why wait? Get up from here, man. And wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now some translations say calling the name of the Lord in baptism. Now while I recognize that, that Father is actually a name, it really is. Now sometimes you say Father is not a name, it's a title. But I, I don't think according to the dictionary that you could say that because there are proper names and then their improper names are titles, but titles are names. But this is not a proper name. See, I'm a father. That's not my name. That's a title or position that I hold. I am a son, but that's not my name. That is a position in life that I hold. I'm a preacher, but don't just go around calling me, hey, preacher. My name is John Grant. 
And while I may be a father, I may be a son, I may be a preacher, there is no other name, the Bible says. And his name is Jesus. Salvation comes through the name of Jesus. And Jesus is the saving name, and there is no other name. And when you say, I baptize you in the name of the Father, what's the name of the Father? Jesus. What's the name of the Son? Jesus. What's the name of the Holy Ghost? Jesus. And that's why the apostles baptized in the name of, the G of Jesus. Teaching them, notice verse 20, to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Now, he said that they should go and do what? Teach all nations. Now, the second thing that they were to do, verse 20, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And so what the scripture is saying is, and uh, I'll just put myself as Jesus. Now, I'm a poor example of that, but nevertheless, I come and say, look, now, I command you to go and teach this man over here everything that I've commanded you. Now, once you teach him what you have been told, then you teach him to teach others. See, that's part of the commission, and you can't get out of that. So when somebody came to you and said, you need to be baptized in Jesus' name, and you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, and you went down in the tank in obedience to that, Please understand that only half of that commission has been followed. The other half is, you've got to tell somebody what you have been told. And you have not fulfilled the great commission just by being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. That's half the commission. And that's why Paul, when he wrote Timothy, just assumed. You know, you take heed to the doctrine. And what's going to happen, you're going to be saved. But at the same time, you're going to save others that you have told. He just assumed. Hey, you know, they're going to go out and tell it. Why? Because that is a part of that commission. That is a part of that commission. Now... In 2 Timothy 2, verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Praise God. And that's the way the gospel was meant to be spread. Now, the reason why that I, I feel that this is so important that we understand. You see, every man deserves a chance to be saved. Now, I know that some people say, well, do you really believe, Brother Grant, that a man will be lost if he doesn't hear? Now, that's a real heavy question. And, and see, truthfully, most people believe that if a man never hears the gospel, he will be saved. Now, they believe that inside. Now, they may never confess that or they may never tell it. 
See, there, there, there is a belief that it's inside of you, it's resident inside of you, and then there's a belief that you tell other people about. And what happens to a lot of people, they tell people certain things, but inside they believe otherwise. Now this is the situation that produces hypocrisy. See, Jesus said, with your mouth you speak swelling words of praise and adoration to God. But your heart, in other words, your personal belief inside, it's far from me. And, and what keeps a lot of people from telling others is not just a fear, but it's that they really don't think that their mother who has never heard would be lost or their uncle who has never heard would be lost. You may say, well, Brother Grant, do you mean to tell me? Well, let's just look at the Bible, okay? We just want to look at the Bible. All right? Now, let's turn to uh, uh, Revelation, the 20th chapter. I do want to hurry along here because I... I just feel that there is a great <clears throat> move of the Lord of conviction here in this place. Revelation, the 20th chapter, verse 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was, no, was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life. Now, do you know what it takes to get your name written in the book of life? Now, whosoever's name was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, I could go into quite a Bible study on what it takes to get your name written in the book of life. You remember when Jesus Christ, though, sent out the 70? And he gave them power. Now, the power that he gave them seemed to be a sampling of what would take place when the Holy Ghost was poured out. And when he sent them out, the Bible says that they had power to tread upon serp serpents, and upon the scorpion. And they had power over all manner of sicknesses and diseases. They cast the devils out of people. And they came back and said, Lord, do you know what? The power that you gave us, which he momentarily gave them and seemed to retract that or pull it back until the day of Pentecost. They said, you know what? We had power over all these things. The Bible says that Jesus and that hour rejoiced. And he said, I thank thee, O Father, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and have revealed them to the babes. Then he turned to his disciples and he said, now don't you rejoice over the fact 
that you had power over all these things, but rather rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And when you are born again, your old Adamic nature is cast into hell. You are buried with them in, in baptism. And you take on a new name. And your name then is recorded in the book of life. And my Bible tells me that every man, small and great, stands before God. And every man whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life is cast in the lake of fire. Now, that's pretty strong. But, you know, I am reading out of the Bible. Now, don't anybody get offended, Pastor Grant. Take this up with the Lord. Now, but this is the word of the Lord right here. See, if you don't like it, talk to Jesus about it. But please understand. Now, you won't change this because it's forever settled. Okay. Now, <clears throat> let's go to Matthew 11. And we'll consider one account in which we just spoke to you about, we actually uh, were quoting from another, another gospel, but Matthew 11, <clears throat> in verse 20, Then began he to upbraid their cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Jesus had this to say, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon. Now Tyre and Sidon were two heathen cities on the Mediterranean, all of which we have no evidence that Jesus ever went there, nor the apostles went there. Now Bethsaida was responsible for giving to the world three of the apostles. Andrew, James, and John. Now notice what he's saying. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum which are exalted into heavens. Shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee. Had been done in Sodom. It would have remained until this day. Now what he does here. He takes, he takes Tyre and Sidon. And Sodom. And then he speaks of the destruction of Sodom. In verse 24, But I say unto you, that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Now, why, Lord? Was Sodom a city that was saved? No, God rained on fire and brimstone from heaven. It was said of Judas, though, who transgressed, that it would have been better that Judas would never been born than to have been born, followed the Lord, and then transgressed, and then was cast into hell. So I assume, according to the Scripture, that there are degrees of punishment in hell, just like there are levels of reward in heaven. 
And God was not saying that Tyre and Sidon were saved. He wasn't saying that Sodom and Gomorrah were saved. Actually, the Bible says they would have repented if they'd have had the works that Bethsaida and Capernaum had. And we know that every man who does not repent will perish. Jesus said, I say unto thee, except a man repent, he shall all likewise perish. But why wasn't Sodom saved? Because Lot didn't preach to them. That's the reason why. That's what the Lord said. How come Tyre and Sidon received the judgments and the wrath of God and were not saved? Because nobody went there to preach to them. You may say, why didn't Jesus go there? For the simple reason that Jesus couldn't go to all the world. In Romans, the 10th chapter, is, is, is I think, a, is, is a very heavy chapter, but it, it, it really has something in there that, that I feel that's so very, very important. Verse 8 of Romans 10, But what saith it? The word is nigh, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto salvation, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture said, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now notice this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. You know, then he goes on to say, Faith cometh by hearing, verse 17, and hearing by the word of the Lord. Now, if people would be saved without hearing, why all of these offerings, and why all this preaching, and why did Jesus say to go into all the world? Men are locked in darkness today, as a result of satanic powers and forces that are in the world. It's our responsibility to preach the gospel to every creature. Why? Because every man needs the gospel to be saved. And I may be telling you something tonight, and this may be the first time that you've ever actually heard the gospel in this form. You need to thank the Lord that he allowed somebody to stand up and tell you what you need to do to be saved. We will be taking our Christmas for Christ offering. Why? Because we believe those unchurched cities, not just those out east and out west and down south, but those right here in Wisconsin needs to hear the gospel. Well, so what if I'm not saved? Have you read Luke 16? In closing, let's just turn to Luke 16. Here's what happens. 
when you're not saved. Verse 19, And there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom is a phrase that was used by the Jews to depict a place of paradise, a place to rest or even heaven itself. And the rich man died also and was buried. And in hell, and speaking of the rich man, he lifted up his eyes being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send to my father's house, for I have five brethren. You notice how missionary-minded he got? But too late. For I have five brethren, that they may do what? Testify unto them. Lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said unto them, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. In other words, they've got witnesses there. Moses and the prophets is making reference. They've got the Bible. And they've got people preaching the Bible. And that's God's method to save the lost. He doesn't raise up people from the dead. He doesn't extract somebody from a place of rest and send them back. And there just might be that in hell right now, that somebody's crying out to God for somebody in heaven to come back. And God is saying, no, we won't send them back. Why? Well, they got Brother Grant and Brother Downey. They got Brother O'Neill and Brother Wittenbach and Brother Armstrong, Brother Stinson, Brother Sandin, Brother Capaccio, and all these brothers. That's my method. That's the way I work. That's the way I operate. <sighs> Praise God. Calvary's blood is so very precious. Jesus Christ loved me enough to die. And he shed his love abroad in somebody's heart by the Holy Ghost. That then loved me enough to come and tell me. How much Jesus loved me. And that's how all of us got where we are tonight. Praise God. Would you stand with me?
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's just in a thank you, dear God, Lord, for bringing the gospel to us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for sharing your love with us. Thank you, God, for touching us with the power of the Holy Ghost. I love you, Jesus, so much for saving me. Now, Lord, I am a joint heir with you. I do not have to die lost in a sinner's hell. But I can be saved because you love me enough to bleed and die for me. And somebody loved me enough to tell me of your love for me. And while I was a sinner, you reached out for me, God. And you know, there's a reaching out spirit in this place tonight. There's a reaching out spirit. I feel that somebody right now, as Sister Grant begins to play softly, that somebody would like to step out right now and come and give their heart to the Lord. On both sides of the pulpit, there is a place for you to come and kneel and pray. Feel free to just step right out. We have Christian workers throughout this building to be glad to come and kneel with you. There was a lady who was praying at the altar Sunday night. But then Sister Thomas been teaching her Bible study. She came back Monday morning, was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Wanting to start her life afresh and anew. You saw the testimonies of many people on the film strip tonight. But you see, it doesn't have to just be a testimony of somebody else. It can be your own. How Jesus Christ came to your own life. How He picked you up. How He performed a miracle right inside of you. Where there was despair, He gave you hope. Where there was sadness, He gave you joy. Where there was bitterness, He gave you sweetness. Praise God. Would you come right now? Come on right now, would you? And surrender your heart to the Lord. Praise God. Step out, would you, and just come right down. This is not meant to embarrass anybody. We don't want to do that. But God love you, and we care for you, and we love you. This is not designed to force anybody to do anything. But you see, Jesus wants to give you a choice. Now, Jesus always gives you enough lateral or enough elbow room to go to hell if that's what you want to do. If that's really what you want to do. But you see, really you don't want to. And if you think you want to, you still don't want to. It's only because you don't understand eternity, nor the love of God. Praise God. Now, how many of you people tonight would like to just step out and recommit your life to the Lord? We're approaching the end of the year, that is going into the Christmas season. We showed you this film strip. We want you to do more than give an offering at Christmas time. We want you to recommit your life to the Lord. We want you to commit yourself to witnessing and 
fasting and praying and testifying. We want to see a confirmation of the word of the Lord with signs following. Who'd like to step out and just come and recommit their life? Just by coming and kneeling down and say, Lord, I want to be used. I want to commit my life into your care, Lord. God bless these people who are coming. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, would the remaining people just turn and kneel in their pew and pray? God bless you for coming and being with us tonight. Remember our service Sunday morning at 10 o'clock and our Sunday evening service at 7. And we will be having a meeting downstairs with all of the parents who have students in our Christian school and the board members who'd like to come down. We'd appreciate you coming too. You will fall.